Portland is a baseball town. Our secretary didn't have anybody on the phone. <laughs> there was nobody on the phone. They were just egging me along. So they bought a little short chubby guy in with the name Peters and put him <laughs> in my place and sent me to double A ball. Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon, fueled by Guardian Games and Athletic Field Design. This is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Without further ado, your hosts, Ben and Dave. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. As always, I am your host, Ben, and joining me today is none other than CFO of Baseballism, Jonathan Loomis. How are you today, sir? I'm great. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing well. Thank you for joining us and taking some time for this episode and next episode. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. Before we get too far, I just want to jump back in and say uh, thank you to Big League Chew, our sponsor. I'm glad you have it on board. And my favorite Big League Chew, bubblegum, is watermelon and grape. What about you? And I, I actually agree with you. Watermelon is like one of my favorite. Uh, so I'm going to have to copy you on that one. Yeah, it's like totally old school back in the day. Putting it in. Some of the guys gave me some crap one day because I put a uh, video online of me taking some Big Lee Chew and put it in my mouth, and everybody's like, it's a little baby dip. <laughs> so, anyways, this episode's not about me, it's about you. Um, for those of you who've never listened to some of our episodes, Jonathan's going to be joining us today, and then next week we'll also have him on for another episode. So, we're delighted, and we are back yet again at the Baseballism Warehouse here. In Portland, Oregon, as I always say, it's the mecca of baseball apparel. So if you haven't got to baseballism, get out there and do so. So we're going to jump right on in and talk to Jonathan this right now. So, uh, <clears throat> Jonathan, first question is, is when did you as a fan first become interested in baseball itself? Yeah, I, um, I think my story into baseball is kind of a typical one. I started playing uh, t-ball and um, started working through just the, my community uh, baseball league in Southwest Portland. I mean, I, I, I'm not born in Portland, but I grew up most of my life in Portland. Mm-hmm. And um, I will never, I just always have the, the kind of those early memories of playing on, you know, in the rain, on wet, uh, wet baseball fields, t-ball, and all the way up through coach pitch, Babe Ruth, um, uh, that was kind of my that was my beginning. It was it was very much right here in, in the Pacific Northwest in Portland, Oregon. My I, I'll I'll never forget um, the first home run I ever hit. That mm-hmm. was always like kind of stuck in my mind. Um, you know, back then it wasn't over a fence, but rather you know it was just one of those balls that sneaks through the gap and you make it all the way around the bases and and you realize like that what you just did was pretty epic as a as a kid and and that memory always stuck in my head so i was probably you know very typical i was probably five six years old mm-hmm. um, when i first started and and that was that was the beginning for me nice what was your favorite team growing up so you know what's interesting about that is for those who kind of are are from the pacific northwest and you know, we we don't obviously don't have a major league baseball team. So the TV rights of of this region back in the '90s when I was growing up was owned by uh, Turner Broadcasting, mm-hmm. and so I would come home and I would watch the Braves every single 
day. <laughs> and whether it was a whether it was a live game or um, a, a replay, I was just watching the Braves. And so I I'm a product of that. I'm to this day a Braves fan. I love that Braves team in the '90s, and mm-hmm. uh, I still follow them. And you know, and they're and they're rising again. Obviously, we know yeah. that they've won two NL titles now, um, back to back. And they, they've got an incredible farm. They had an incredible farm system and they've developed some great players. And so it's, they're fun to watch still. So I'd be right to say that maybe your favorite baseball player was on the Braves. Yes. I, it's probably Ty actually. Um, I'm, I catch, I'm a huge catcher, uh, a fan of catchers. And so, um, Dan Wilson from the Mariners, actually, it was mm-hmm. a guy I really enjoyed. I liked his game. I think he was underrated defensively, and um, frankly, offensively, he wasn't even that bad. So um, I think Dan Wilson was one of my And he was just a humble guy, and he played mm-hmm. the game really hard. And then, yeah, and then on the Braves, I, you know, look, uh, Chipper Jones was my guy. You know, yeah. he's a switch hitter. He was a lifetime Brave and uh, he seemed to be like a leader in the clubhouse, and I, I just kind of fall. And I, and my earliest memory, one of my earliest memories when I was trading baseball cards, I had a Chipper Jones rookie card. And I, you know, for those who collected cards back in the day, they had all sorts of contests, right? So like, if you had the card, the the card of the play, if you had the rookie card of the player who won Rookie of the Year, mm-hmm. you could send it in and like get the whole set back. And so I remember, uh, I remember crying when uh chipper jones lost to hideo nomo for rookie of the year um, oh yeah i remember that and so like that was a big pivotal moment <laughs> kind of for me and, and and just something that sticks out but yeah so chipper jones was huge for me dan wilson was huge for me mm-hmm. where did you attend your first professional baseball game and who did you go with yeah i had to kind of really dive back into the memory banks for that i it was a i couldn't re- quite recall if it was the mariners um or the Padres, but it, I do actually think it was the Mariners. I went to, I went with my dad. It was a father son mm-hmm. thing. I went to my dad and saw him in the, saw him in the old kingdom and, um, saw Griffey play. It was great. It was Excellent. Great. I remember, uh, my first game was in Montreal at the Olympic stadium watching the Expos play. And that's back when like Pedro yeah. was on the team. That's awesome. So. I have actually been to a game there before they before the Expos lost their team. I, I went and saw them. Um, yeah, I went and saw them. They played the Mets, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think they played the Mets. Yeah, but I remember that was it's an interesting dynamic up yeah. there. Um, and they're wanting their team back. But, and there's a lot of people who want mm-hmm. them back. But yeah, that's for another conversation. Yeah, I saw. Uh, I saw the. I saw them play the Pirates nice. back in the day. So I think it was like a long juiced up Barry Bonds at the moment. Oh, it's so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> but it was always hot. What did you think? Like, think of the city. Was it like hot inside for you? Oh, I remember it being so warm. Interesting. Yeah, I uh, I don't recall it being. I actually thought it was kind of a, a cold, rainy day when I went and saw him. Um, I don't recall the it being hot in there, but I do remember just it felt a little uh, industrial inside mm-hmm. that stadium. Um, yeah. And but it was still a great experience, and I'm glad I had that mm-hmm. experience there. About what age did you first start playing baseball of the game itself? Yeah, I mean, so really, you know, five, six years old, but um, I never stopped. So it's like I, to this day, play mm-hmm. on a team. And I, uh, that's, you know, people have different windows into the game of baseball. Like, and this is something that I've really come to appreciate. Some people are 
uh, fans of baseball because maybe they're they had a parent or a grandparent who was a fan of the baseball and they like watching it and they just legitimately enjoy consuming the game from as a spectator. Mm-hmm. Some people love it for the statistical analysis. Some people love it to because they play it. Some people love it because their their child or maybe a brother played and yep. so they like um, they like to watch that that family member play. Um, so there's all different windows into the game and for me it really was I, I I'm just an all in the field guy. I just I. I I love, I love the feel of being mm-hmm. on the baseball field. I love um, the camaraderie of the team. I love all the intricacies of the game. So my window into baseball is really playing it. And like I am not the most up to date baseball. Like I couldn't tell you um, what the latest and greatest you know trades are going on. And I know, you know what's happening with with the, a lot of the players. Like I don't follow mm-hmm. it to that extent. Part of it is just life gets in the way. Yeah. But. You know that wasn't really ever my window into baseball. I'm not like a, um, uh, you know, I don't. I'm not a fantasy league guy. You know, that's the other yeah, window people have. And and some people are diehard fantasy, and I appreciate that. I just never. That was never me. I was always. I just wanted to go play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What's one memory you have of that time that like sticks out to you the most of that those early days playing? I. It has got to be. Uh, the people I met. Uh, the some of my best friends today are are guys that I played little league with and meeting them at that age and building the camaraderie around the game is something that just can never be replaced. And so that really kind of, it boils down to that for me. Mm -hmm. And for now that my kids are getting older, um, and kind of going into organized sports and my son is, is playing baseball and, uh, you know, he's in coach pitch right now. I, it really is about, um, yes, you want them to enjoy the game and appreciate all of his yeah. uh, fine points, um, but I really want him to, to bond with other kids uh, mm-hmm. who are going through the same experience. Um, those, are the mo- those are the best memories, in my opinion. Yeah. Did you feel it was more of an emotional game when you were younger as opposed to like when you got older because you felt like there's more into it at that point? Yeah. Um, interesting question. I don't know if, it, if I feel any different now than I did when I was a kid playing. Um, I, yeah, it's an interesting question. I, it was definitely, you always want to win. Like, don't get me yeah. wrong. Like when I'm on the field, I want to win and the competitiveness takes over and, and that's a huge drive for, for yeah. I think most athletes, people who, who like to play a sport. Um, I'm on the field cause I'm trying to win. Yeah. every single time and I, that probably hasn't changed um over the years um but i would say that um the other thing too is you don't realize when you're a kid playing you don't realize that the people in that dugout of your life are going to be a lot of them are going to be your lifelong friends like mm-hmm. you kind of maybe because your your view of the world is kind of small at the moment but um that you know knowing that now i would definitely look back and say it probably it was a bit of a more of an emotional kind of energy back then um, mm-hmm. than it is now because it's that early developmental stage of i think winning and losing and trying to overcome those times of you know when you lose yeah. like overcoming that at that time and the, your your buddies are there with you and then as opposed to now i think people can easily more easily struggle shrug it off as you get older you know what i'm saying yeah you've been there before you know like i you know, i've definitely lost close games and had heartbreak mm-hmm. so like it gets a little easier maybe um yeah. i still hate losing that close <laughs> yeah. game but uh, <laughs> yeah back here yeah back then oh yeah i mean there's there's gonna be tears on the field when you're a kid you're so passionate about it and mm-hmm. and for sure i think your emotions are a little bit less uh bridled back then and yeah 
that makes sense. Before we like actually jump forward a little bit, what would you tell your what would you tell your younger self now? Like if if you were to say like, hey, mm. younger little leaguer, Jonathan, what would you tell yourself now? Uh, you know, it's actually I was thinking about something very similar to that um, recently. I as it relates to the playing, the skill sets of playing. Um, I wish I would have taken maybe a different approach to uh, to hitting when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I think I could have been a major league baseball player, like by no means, right? But I think I could have maybe had some more success um, in certain areas of the offensive game had I approached hitting differently and just knew more now. Now that I know a little bit more about how, you mm-hmm. know the uh, the hitting approach, I, I wish I, I probably would have taught myself up. And you know, to be honest, and this is no hit against. Um, um, community baseball or even my baseball coaches, but, um, the amount of instruction I got when I was younger was not, I by no means was taught, was not a top tier instruction. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was dads teaching me. Yeah. It was, um, you know, neighbors teaching me and they were doing it. They were doing it from their heart because they wanted to be out there and, and yep. they, they cared about the game. But to be honest, none of them had, I think a really great uh, knowledge of the game. It wasn't until high school that you, I started getting that. And to be honest, by that time, it's almost a little too late. Um, you play so much baseball, between the age of you know t-ball all the way through middle mm-hmm. school that if you develop bad habits or don't learn how to you know do something right by the time you get to high school mm-hmm. you can certainly work on it get better don't get me wrong but um it takes a while i mean the repetition required to change your swing is, is extensive and so yeah i think if i could go back in time as it relates to being on the field and like improving my game it would have i would have probably taught myself some hitting some hitting changes. You bring up a very interesting point and in you're talking about like dads and parent, other parents getting out there and coaching and, and just volunteering their time. And I think that there's a lot of focus right now on the fundamentals of the game and a lot of people putting like money into just like analyze, analyzing like the swing mm-hmm. analyze, and we know more about like arm motion these days because it's like it's trickled down from the major league level down to the the high school level and so on about like just the right arm angle and, yeah. and things to be doing and I think mm-hmm. that there's a bigger emphasis on that now as opposed to like years ago back when we were younger playing yeah. would you say that yeah I definitely agree I think we know we know a lot more and and people are implementing that knowledge base is is larger and, and more accessible and the internet mm-hmm. has obviously allowed people to tap into all sorts of great database of knowledge and so I think kids now are getting better instruction typically not always yep. but better instruction and and especially as it comes to um the health uh of your body and what is you know how should you pitch when should you pitch it um there's don't get me wrong there's always in fact there's a, probably some epidemics out there of, of kids just playing too much and hurting mm-hmm. their arms at a really young age and i think that's certainly a problem and that's a that's another conversation yeah. too about club and and really hyper competitive baseball at a young age um but yeah, there for sure there there the amount of information you can obtain as it comes to skills mm-hmm. by just going online. Um, you can buy memberships to like online training platforms, or you could just get free videos. And yeah, and I've looked at a lot of that content. Um, 
And I think there's some really good stuff out there. And that really wasn't around. You know, when I was a kid, we're yeah. talking, you know, mid nineties, right. When mm-hmm. I was like really hitting it, um, you know, getting involved in like Babe Ruth and stuff. Yeah. It was just, that wasn't a, really an option. No, it wasn't. I, I remember it wasn't like an option for us, but I, I really want to push the club ball, like non-competitive mm-hmm. ball real quick yeah. with you. Cause it's like, I have talked a lot of, to some of the GMs with the West Coast League and some of the other people that have been around the game, and a lot of them are, are just really like, I'd rather have a kid that's on my team that's playing different sports rather than you know playing ball <clears throat> all year long. Nothing against playing ball all year long, but they're like, they can develop differently and using different muscles to develop in those yes. particular areas to make them better a ball player. Um, what's your take on that? Yeah, I've got two, two takes on this. Um, I uh, I think for the the general health of, of a child's experience, they should be playing multiple sports. Um, I I and there's a couple of th- factors. I 100 percent agree with what you just said that I think you should have the mobility and kind of the body um, flexibility um, and memory muscle of other types of sports because I think that carries over very well. Mm-hmm. It makes you a better athlete in general, and being athletic is helps is helpful in all sorts of situations in baseball. So um, that's I think for that merit alone, you should be playing other sports. The other thing too is. Um, I think that kids growing up should have multiple um, positive influences in their life. Mm -hmm. And so whether that's a, a man or a woman teaching the team, Let's just say, let's just stay, say you have a bunch of male coaches. I think a, a young boy growing up should have multiple positive male influences in his life. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think he should have a football coach and a baseball coach and a basketball coach and a soccer coach. And he should be getting that kind of exposure um, and, and lift and, and feedback in more than just one way. Yeah. And so I think that's super important. It's also just in general in life, you should be having different kind of exposures and views of the world. I think that helps you um, just be a well-rounded person. Yeah, it goes back to the old saying, it takes community to raise your, your, your family. Exactly. Um, so let's jump into your high school. Where did you go to high school? I went to Wilson High School in so, Portland, Oregon. You know, pro ball player uh, Dale Murphy, Dale Murphy. Went to Wilson. Yeah, he, Dale Murphy. Yeah, Dale Murphy went to Wilson High School. Wayne Twitchell went to mm-hmm. Wilson High School. Those are two kind of the iconic uh, major league players. And uh, iconic coach Jack Dunn. Yeah, and Jack Dunn. Yes, and then and then Mike Clopton after mm-hmm. that. Um, so there's a, yeah, actually Wilson High School. It's a, a good history. Um, Wayne Twitchell. He came back and actually helped coach. My uh, my junior senior year, he came back and was a pitching coach, and he was quite a dynamic. He passed away uh, actually um, from cancer several years ago, but he he was super influential. I mean, the guy had unbelievable stories. He talked about Roberto Clemente hitting a line drive back at him and breaking his hand, and and uh, I think Wayne Twitchell to this day gave up the longest home run in history at Three Rivers Stadium, and I'm trying to remember who hit that. It was. Uh, Oh, I'll, it'll hit me in a little bit, but yeah. So Wayne had some really interesting stories, but uh, yeah, Wilson had a, has a good baseball mm-hmm. uh, past for sure. Who was your head coach? Mike Clopton. And uh, what's uh, what's one leadership quality you learned from from Mike? Oh man, uh, so Mike was 
Yeah. Okay. So really Mike's whole thing was about, um, discipline and not in the, like, I'm going to, in a disciplinary perspective, Mm -hmm. but like his whole, it was about accountability and personal discipline. So, you know, like when you had a practice with Mike, um, practice started at 323, right? It didn't start at 320. It didn't start at 325. It was like, you will be out there at 323. And he did that on purpose, right? I mean, he created structure and he created this this cadence that um, was at, you don't realize it at the time, but what he's doing is he's just creating like these are these are life skills. Like, yeah, you need to you need to budget your time. You need to be thinking about um, all of the elements required to be a good teammate and a good mm-hmm. student. Um, and uh, he was, he, you know, he created this, this program that was a, that had, that was basically full, all encompassing. It was like, um, not only was baseball instruction and, and being accountable and showing up mm-hmm. and showing up on time and giving a hundred percent critical, but it was like, we had, a, we were expected to fundraise and be part of the community and do it in a way that was positive. And we were expected to participate in all the components. Mm-hmm. Um, he certainly was, uh, a bit of a my way or the highway guy, a very old school. When I was there, he changed, I think his philosophy a little bit as time mm-hmm. went on, but, um, that was, you know, that, that's, I don't, that's not bad for kids to kind of experience that. And I think, and go through that and it, and it taught respect and it taught, um, all sorts of things, but ultimately you could thrive in that environment. Mm-hmm. And I think he created, created a kind of a nice platform for kids to thrive if they could buy in to some of those basic tenants. It was really the people who didn't want to buy into that. Um, I think were pretty kind of self motivated or I should say a little egotistical and they Mm -hmm. didn't want to, they didn't want to give up, um, their time exactly the way he wanted to have it taken. So interesting, interesting. How'd you say your high school career went for baseball? I think it was super positive. I, uh, I wasn't, um, I was not a, uh, all-star player, but I was, uh, it was above average. I mean, honorable mention type of player. I think I hit like 325 or something. And uh, so I was an average hitter. I didn't hit home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I caught a good game and I was kind of defensive oriented. Um, uh, but I, overall I mean, we did well. We had, we had a really, we were a successful team, made it to the state playoffs, I think four years in a row when I was there. And, um, it was. I met some great people along the way, but overall, from a from a wins loss standpoint, it was very successful. When you were getting towards your 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 senior year in high school, it, what higher educational institutions were you like looking at, and were you looking at wanting to try to play ball afterwards? Yeah, uh, the answer is I for sure wanted to. Um, so really, what happened was um, my junior year. I wanted to go play at Washington. Like I was, I really wanted to go to play at Washington state. Mm-hmm. My grandfather was a knuckleball pitcher at Washington state and I wanted to go and follow in his footsteps and I wanted to go play there. Um, their program back then wasn't, wasn't that, you know, great or it wasn't really like a magnet and, but nor was I, um, really your typical D one athlete to be honest. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I really was like, Hey, can I go there and try to walk on was really going to be my angle. Um, then I met a woman, uh, who I later married 
and she went to the University of Oregon, and so I ended up following her. Um, and along the way, I had an offer to play at Lewis and Clark and some smaller schools, mm-hmm. and so I really I, I kind of changed my plans to go to the University of Oregon, which ended up being one of the greatest baseball decisions of my life. Um, yeah. But at the time, my parents and friends thought I was really giving it up uh, to follow you know a woman, and but and that actually ended up working out perfectly as well. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So to your question, I had, I had aspirations to go play at the next level. Um, but that took a, a major turn for turn. me. Yeah. Well, I can say this, like you answer my next question is why, why University of <laughs> yeah. Oregon, yeah. but I just want to go back to like, so you went to University of Oregon because you were in love. Yes. I came out to Oregon because I was in love because like my wife was moving out here. So. Yes. Yes. Um, it's funny how I, that works out. I know. It's kind of following the wife. Um, at what point did you decide to play club ball for University of Oregon? Yeah, it was. Okay, so I got to the University of Oregon, right? I, I kind of mentally was like, oh, I'm not. Baseball is a thing of the past now. Um, I went through my freshman year at college and I actually played, uh, sorry, I played rugby. Mm-hmm. And because a guy I played football with was like, hey, come out for the rugby team. And I'd never played. I was always really intrigued by it. And I played a year of rugby and I got, I mean, it's a really challenging sport and actually I admire it. Um, mm-hmm. tremendously. Um, but it was really challenging and, and I, um, I didn't know if it was right, quite the right fit for me. And I, I definitely want to be involved athletically and be, you know, do, doing a club sport or being, yeah. you know, being active while in college. And, um, so freshman year I committed to that and had a great, great experience. But then sophomore year I was literally, uh, I was walking by Hayward field and I heard the sound of, that unmistakable sound of a ball hitting a bat of a wood bat, the crack of the bat. And I, I heard that and I just, I remember having this feeling like this visceral reaction to that. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh my gosh, I've missed this. Right. And so I, I, and then I saw that they were having tryouts. And so I grabbed my glove and I just ran out. I had actually, I thought they were tryouts, but they weren't, they were actually having a practice. (laughs) And so I had missed the tryouts, but I grabbed my glove and I ran out in the field and I was like, I would love to play. And I never looked back. And they basically say, you know, the, the club team was not, wasn't, wasn't super strong at that moment. I mean, it mm-hmm. was, it was organized to a somewhat to an extent, but it, it was, you know, they probably had like seven guys out there practicing and, and they played a pretty loose schedule. So anyways, I got out there and they just, they, they took me immediately and I just never looked back and I, I started playing and, um, we built kind of a, a club baseball dynasty down there and I met my business partners and the whole, it, it was just, mm-hmm. the whole thing evolved, um, tremendously over time. But, uh, yeah, that, that was that moment for me. So which one, which one of your future business partners did you run into? At, was it at that practice or was it at a later practice? That practice, it was two guys. A guy named Kalen and Travis. So, wow. and I think you've probably talked to both talked of them, to both yeah. of them and had them on here. So, Kalen was running the team at the time. Travis was on the team at the time. Mm-hmm. Kalen was older by a couple of years. Uh, Travis and I are the same age. Um, but yeah, I mean, I met the, immediately. Those were the guys, and they and the, there was the, those were the guys I gravitated towards too. Yeah. Like we just became friends and. Um, uh, Kalen was the manager. He handed the team down to me, and I ran it for mm-hmm. a year and a half, uh, two years, and then I handed, and then I later handed it off to another partner. So, uh, yeah, the, Kalen and Travis were the, the guys I met initially. Yeah, 
who who is the more influential one at the time? Did Kenna? Yeah, Did really. Well, like... Kalen for sure, because he was he was kind of that authority figure on the team. Like he was mm-hmm. running the team and managing it, and he he had been around a couple years, so he had the history mm-hmm. and kind of like he could teach us and like really educate us. I think Travis Travis also had a year on me at that point on the team. Um, but and Travis was it was interesting guy to meet because you know he's a Hawaii he's from Hawaii and I never mm-hmm. knew anyone before from Hawaii and like his whole approach and attitude and, and demeanor and his speed his shit was totally different, you know. But he was what, like, what was his speed? You know, in, in terms of like he was just he's so laid he's just a laid back guy. Oh yeah. You know, he's an island time kind of guy and um, but he's an incredible athlete. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Travis was probably one of the better players I actually ever played with. Mm-hmm. Super um, good third baseman, great arm, great instinct on the baseball field. And he's probably a top top five guy I've ever played with ever. Yeah. Um, and he he put on a lot of – and he got really strong and, and really focused on mm-hmm. just lifting in college. And so he, he, he could hit the long ball too. Is there a mem- one memory about the time playing club ball that will always – like stick out to you i will never for yeah it was so this kind of evolution of the club team was you know we uh, when i started it was not a great team and then in in a matter of just 12 months we picked up an unbelievable amount of talent and it was just kind of like this renaissance it was weird Mm -hmm. like you can't really put your finger on how or why but i mean we got guys just came out of the woodwork all of a sudden um and you know XD one pitchers who just maybe got hurt and decided to give it up and come mm-hmm. in, but they but they were like, oh, maybe I do want to come back. And like we had that kind of talent base, and all of a sudden we were we were beating, you know, legitimate college teams, not D one, but we were beating legitimate college teams. And um, uh, I'm try- sorry, I'm trying to make sure I answer your question. Yeah, exactly. just the rem- memory of like yeah, oh yeah, yeah, stuff for you. So so we year basically the year one uh or i should say my my junior year um we joined a we joined a national club baseball mm-hmm. um organization and which had was which was well organized right and it was kind of a big step for us because you know it costs money and it was like committed committed travel time and stuff that we had never really done and we had to go yeah. like go to, we had to go like travel further than we ever have before um but we, we joined this league year one and we um, we won our division and then we go to the regionals, which was like this big moment because it was like, okay, this is like legitimate kind of like we're committing ourselves to this regional tournament mm-hmm. and the defending national champion ch- champions, Weber State, were hosting the regional and they had won the whole thing the year before and they basically had the same team and uh, we beat them in regional. Like we, we basically ran the tournament and, and crush them in a, in an onslaught of a game. I remember the game, the score was like 24 to 20. It was something crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was that moment when we won that game and I was like, and we, the, the next step was to go to the world series. And that world series was hosted in Bradenton, Florida and McKechnie field, which is the pirates spring training facility. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being like, this is crazy. Like I'm actually like the school's going to pay for me to go on an airplane to Florida to play baseball in a world series is like this. It was very surreal. That moment was very surreal. Um, that was probably the highlight. And then from there, the team basically went to like seven or eight consecutive world series and ended up winning at once. And, oh, wow. um, that was after my time, but I felt like that uh, kind of part of the beginning uh, progression. Yeah, exactly. Getting better. Um, yeah, that regional championship win was probably the highlight mm-hmm. for me. So just a kind of a fun question I'm going to put out there to you. So Travis said out of the four of you, you know, John, Jonathan, Chalk, and Kalen, and yourself, 
He said he would have you drive in the game-winning run in a different scenario. <laughs> okay. If a ball was hit to the outfield as a pop fly, and with one runner on third tagging up and running home, and you have one out, and so you're catching the ball for out two, the guy's going home to get out three, but you got to have one of the four of you throw the ball home. Who's doing it? Wow. And I'm catching? <laughs> well, if you, if you want to be catching, we'll throw you. Uh, I guess that doesn't, yeah. That, that doesn't would rule you out from throwing the ball. Yeah. So, oh, my Okay, gosh. so out of the other three guys, if you're catching, yeah. out of the other three guys, who's Who do throwing? I want? I want in the outfield catching that ball and throwing, and throwing it. throwing it to you, yeah. Wow. In our healthy days, because, <laughs> like, that matters. Um, it, you know, that's a really interesting question. Um I would go with, I mean, I, my first reaction is Travis. Mm-hmm. I want him throwing that ball because I think he probably had the best arm out of everybody. Uh-huh. Um, but Jonathan Jwaid, um was a great pitcher and he was a very accurate mm-hmm. thrower. And so like that, like he, there's a really great case for that too. Um, it would be one of them. Mm-hmm. But my first reaction was Travis, but only because I, I played with him the longest, I think. Okay. Well, I, was, I posed this question to, yeah. to a, a friend of mine, who you know, um, and we were kind of talking about it a little ahead of time. We were thinking, I said it would be Jawade, because he just, you know, yeah. seen some of the more recent videos, his little pop on, he's like totally. competitive, ultra-competitive yeah. guy, he throwing is. a ball, wanting to throw it hard, so I, I would imagine that he, he would do that. But Travis, I could see throwing it from the outfield. It, yeah, no, if, if I answer that question in real time, so like a two-day, who would I want out there? It would be Jawade. Okay. Travis, Travis's arm situation is not great, nor is mine, and I don't think Kalen's is either. So, I think, yeah, and, and you're right. Jonathan's unbelievably competitive. Uh, he, he, that guy wants to win every time, mm-hmm. and like that, he, you want him on the mound. For you want him on your team every time. So let me throw the same question that I asked Travis back at you. Yeah, would you have yourself coming up? Driving in the game winning RBI, or would it be one of the other three guys? Oh, man, this is the. I don't want to sound, I actually think I'm a great contact hitter. So, Mm -hmm. and I, that, and that's kind of my, that's my bailiwick is like, um, base hit clutch moment. That's, I feel so comfortable in that, that situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I would probably want to take that on. Okay. So I just want to throw a funny question because you guys do a lot with major league, the movie major league. Yeah. 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 So you remember this scene in major league, I think it's major league two or whatever, where they're like, Dorn, go out there, take a pitch. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Oh, Who's yeah. going in to take the pitch? Oh, Who my. can withstand the pitch? It's so funny. I feel like Kalen's the guy for that. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> just because he just, he, you know, he's just gets the job done. Kalen gets the job done every time. <laughs> that's just and that's looks like his personality his role and he's very self-sacrificing so i think that <laughs> that would just work perfect for him kills about community taking one for the team exactly <laughs> yes um what did you do right after college yeah okay so i graduated in 2005 and i you know i i wish i had a like a really sexy story to tell you about what i did right after college but what happened, I went right into the domestic life. I got married, married mm-hmm. my high school sweetheart who I followed to University of Oregon. We got married like 45 days after graduation. And I started working what ended up being a very long career job at mm-hmm. Oregon Health and Science University. I started that job the week after I graduated college. So um, 
I jumped right in, man. I, I became a financial analyst for um, uh, information technology sector at OHSU, and I kind of learned the healthcare and the IT world. And I and I started at the bottom. I really, um, I was uh, for basically sweeping the floor, um, and. I, and I say that just as an analogy, I mean, I was like printing reports and, and mm-hmm. entering numbers into spreadsheets. That, that was like my first job out of college. But I, I just, I put my head down and I, and I just started that career path and I was there for 12 years. Yeah. I read that, uh, in, correct me if I'm wrong, but I read that your dad was a JAG officer and that you, uh, until the age of six, you lived overseas. Is that's that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I, uh, my dad was an army JAG officer. Um, we were stationed in Naples, Italy. And so I lived, I was born in Monterey, uh, Monterey California, which, uh, at the time had Fort, Fort Ord was the fort, mm-hmm. the army base there. And I was born in the military hospital and the, on the fort. And then when I was like two months old, we, my, my dad was in language school there. Okay. You know, and this was the cold war. So yeah. this was like, he was learning Italian. Russian, yeah, Italian exactly. So he was yeah. learning Italian so we can go and just basically be part of that, um, be in the Balkans area and so like we, we so he was learning Italian he was in language school and he was um getting ready to be deployed and he picked up the family and we all moved out there and mm-hmm. I stayed in um uh, a little suburb called Lago Patria and uh, I have some of my earliest memories of kind of growing up there and uh the and just that community and mm-hmm. the daycares and all that kind of stuff. How long did your dad serve in the military for? Yeah, he he went into the reserves uh, 94, 92, like like early 90s and then he retired full on I think in like 96. Okay. 97. So he put a little bit of time yeah. for the military. That's awesome. Yeah, so. I think I think it ended up being like a he was a he was a major in the army, he ended up being a major, but I think all in probably and i'm kind of guessing here like maybe 15 years okay so that that's really interesting that you had that experience and that you know your army brat yeah <laughs> to, totally like yeah. like me and then obviously serving myself but yeah. um i also read that in high school you worked at a place called o'connor's what did you do oh, there interesting yeah i had a small job there um uh, I was waiting tables and I was a hostess actually. And the, and the restaurant was owned by my girlfriend's uncle mm-hmm. who's later became my wife. So my, basically he became my uncle as well through marriage, but the restaurant was a family restaurant of my wife's family. And I worked there for a little bit. Well, it was like one summer. I think I worked there mm-hmm. with my cousin and we, and we were the hostess and waited tables and, and did stuff. Yeah. So and that was a kind of an iconic location. Yeah. So moving forward, I, there, there recently, there's some stuff that went on with O'Connor's and that you were involved with. Yeah. Yeah. So Steve, who is the owner of that restaurant and he also owned the buildings and this was in Moldova village, which is a little, little spot in Southwest Portland. Um, he wanted to retire, so he wanted to he wanted to sell his real estate, and and at the time I was interested and in a position to do it. So I, along with my partners, we purchased the O'Connor's building and and the the adjacent annex. Um, we're not, I mean, we're not in a position to run a restaurant, so we don't run restaurants. But we uh, we found a tenant to come in and take over, mm-hmm. and uh, actually Toro Bravo Group is going to come in and, and set up a restaurant in that spot, and they're great. I mean, they're an A plus restaurant tour mm-hmm. group, and. Level Beer will be taking the annex and, and running a tap room. So we're, we're happy to have them in and they're doing that. Excellent. Now, remember my question from earlier that I was going to ask you, yeah. what got you into catching? And- 
Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> it's honestly the position I just did from day one. I was bigger kid when I was younger. I'm like not. It's funny how time like kind of balances things out. But I, when I was growing up, I was kind of a larger kid, and I think naturally the coaches just put me back there, and I just, I, I honestly just fell in love with it, mm-hmm. and I felt really comfortable back there. Um, there's not. I mean, honestly, out of all, every game I've ever played a baseball, maybe because of injury, I've I've not caught, I've not I've not played in a baseball game and caught maybe, um, maybe two times. Wow! So I'm 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 behind the dish all the time, and it's just it's my comfort zone. I mean, I've played third base and I can I can swing around and do some other stuff, but um, that's it's just from day one. And yeah. I don't, and, uh, but honestly, the reason I love it and the reason it's hard for me to move away from it. And now I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give it up. And there's a day where my knees and my, and whatever might give up, give out and I can't do it anymore. But I love the position because you see you're involved in every single mm-hmm. play and you are calling the game. And if you have a really good, if you have a really good rapport with your pitchers, um, you, you're potentially, and they trust you. I mean, you're calling the shots every yeah. single play and you see every single thing and you can adjust your team as needed. And I found that very kind of, uh, that was a natural spot for me. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I was good at it and I felt like I, I could do it well. Yeah. I mean, it's a strong leadership position just cause yeah, I remember playing catcher. It's like trying to position your players cause you're trying to remember who yeah. hit where and then where they're sweet spot is and exactly. what pitches are not hitting so i i, I remember that yeah. very clearly from my days catching yeah it's great so we're at the time of the podcast where i know we've learned a lot about you but we're getting ready to close it out but i have my three random questions to right. get to know you a little bit differently fire away okay my first random question is what's your mlb entrance music slash song <laughs> I have been asked this before and I, I am so bad with this stuff. Um, I probably would do like an ACDC intro. Um, uh, LaGrange probably (laughs) would probably be my intro. I just, it's a good beat, man. I like it. There's so many to pick from though. It's Mm -hmm. good. What accomplishment are you most proud of? Yeah, I'm going to go with um, probably my family and the relationship I have with my wife because it's not easy. It's not. Um, but I have a great relationship with my wife and my family, and I, th- I feel really – that's like the backbone of everything mm-hmm. for me. And so I feel like that's probably my biggest accomplishment. Okay. Last question. Who would play you in a movie? Oh, man. Um Ashley, what do you think? Brad Pitt? <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm going to go with um, John Stamos. No, oh, no, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I can see like a Will Ferrell. Oh, man. Interesting. I have. I would never have thought that, but that's a great one. I'll take it. Like, Because he could do the quirky like side of you. And, I think... And I rock th- the beard. I'd love it, man. I'd love to see a Will Ferrell. I... Um, I mean, The Rock is probably the other one I'd go with. <laughs> I know Travis would like, prefer The Rock to play him. Yeah, I could see that too. <laughs> I could see that. He can have The Rock. I'll take. I'll take Will Ferrell. 
Okay. And then uh, I think we can have Hogan play uh, Kalen. Oh, my God. That'd be great. <laughs> that'd be so good. <laughs> but uh, who, who, we have, who, who would play Juwade? Okay. I'm going to go with... He is such a he's his energy. Jawade has such so much energy. I'm trying to find someone who could really match that. You think like a Tom Cruise could you know match it? <sighs> Maybe, yeah. That's a really interesting. You know, and I think they kind of have the same a little bit of the same look. I, I Tom Cruise is a great call on him. I, this is and this is I get to be honest, but this is not my strength. You know, actors are not my <laughs> strength, but um, yeah, I think. Uh, I think that works. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for for joining us for this particular episode. It's Thanks, been man. a lot of fun. Yeah. I really appreciate you, it. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's been great. Okay. So, well, that's going to do it for this episode. We're going to be back again next week with Jonathan. And this time, we're actually going to be taking talking about where he's at playing baseball currently and what he's done currently in the baseball world. We're also going to talk about baseballism. And then we are going to jump into MLB to PDX. We're going to talk about uh, that and where Jonathan sees that going here in the future and kind of what he he's looking for in a team. Maybe we'll even throw in like who he wants as a player to build around for that team. So once again, I appreciate you listening. You keep it locked here each and every week with the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You take care. Have a great day wherever you are at. Peace out.